Oi, oi. I have Wuhan. Oh, you've got the Wuhan, do ya? I'm part of the Wuhan clan. Oh, jeez. Are you gonna just like make one album and sell it for a bajillion dollars? Yes, and I'll put the uh, the money towards some kind of uh, virological research. <laughs> well, all right then, patient zero. Between you and the guest, nowhere to be found. Um, uh, here we go. From the headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, now available in your grocer's dairy case. Ask for yours today. This is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth, featuring musical guest Sting. It's uh, the B material episode, but please, please don't tune out. <laughs> Listen to us tread water for 30 minutes for a guest who never arrives. And we did really, really well. Trust us. This is really interesting stuff. We wouldn't have otherwise had a chance to talk about it. Uh, for example, we'll tell you why hipsters are mourning the loss of a record-pressing plant. Why Star Trek Picard is stealing from Star Trek. And Pearl Jam's latest track is released in augmented reality. And now, Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. After this, I have to record uh, some slides for a webinar. Have you ever done any webinar voice? Never before? in my life. Okay, so th this webinar is uh, for Nokia, and it's for 5G. Uh, and it's incredibly complex, incredibly technical. I I'm not. I'm going to send it to you because I want you to read it cold. Uh, okay. Y you think you're up for the challenge? Now? Well, yes, you, you do have one vocal cord tied behind your back. I do. On. Oh, I see what you want me to do. Okay, yes. So, so for those who don't know what the term reading cold means. Hitting a script without pre-reading it. Right. Uh, okay, so uh, after this, I'm going to do this. And, and as I say, I'm not making fun of it because like people who spend $4 billion on a 5G wireless rollout have technical brains who know why this is important. So I'm going to send it to you now. Okay. And I want you to hit it cold. Are you ready? Uh, all right. Here we go. Let's sum up the most important points about this module. First of all, 5G new radio brings several capacity-improving features like spectral efficiency, new centimeter and millimeter frequency bands, massive MIMO and beamforming, and scalable TTI delivering... Oh, there we go. Uh, scalable TTI delivering lower radio latency. Introducing multi-connectivity. Again, introducing multi-connectivity improves reliability and capacity for end-to-end -end 5G. 5G new radio also includes specific features that enable massive connectivity and can be used to provide fixed wireless access, thanks to its high throughput capabilities. Even though 5G new radio allows us to make the most of 5G's benefits, 5G access is not only 5G new radio. 4G access and Wi-Fi can also be part of the 5G system. Finally, in a cloud RAN architecture, some real processing elements will move to the edge cloud, driving scalability and cost of efficiency. I might as well have read that in Mandarin. Wow, that wasn't bad. Only three flubs for hitting it cold with the Wuhan. I do a whole bunch of stuff involving <laughs> fertilizers. Oh, really? For BASF. And believe me, uh, I'm getting pretty good at hitting copy that I have no idea what it means. Oh, th th this at first broke my brain, but I've really gotten into a groove. I've got it all laid out. I can hit this stuff cold, and I would say about 65% of the time, I do get it in one take. Yeah, well, and you write it, right? 
No, I'm not even writing it. Oh, no, no, you didn't write this. No. Somebody God, wrote that? It. Somebody wrote Somebody that. Somebody was paid to write that? Yes. A- oh. And somebody knows exactly what all of that means. Yeah. Uh, I, I and This is going to be in a webinar that are people going to understand it? Right. So here's the thing is that when you spend $4 billion rolling out 5G wireless across a country, you've got a lot of people behind the scenes who are expert engineers in any given topic, uh-huh. this among them. So those people have to g- sit through my, I believe it's six yeah, modules with uh, three or so units in each module. And this helps teach them what 5G really is and literally how to make it work at your big telephone company. Yeah, this is exactly the same kind of thing I do for people who are selling fertilizers, pesticides, and insecticides. Exactly the same. You mentioned BASF. Most of us would have assumed your relationship with them would have been musical, but apparently it's more manure. Uh, well, it's more chemical. Huh. Definitely more chemical. They do... Uh, oh, I, I can't even think of what... The, they've got all these different products that... Uh, will increase yield potential on your farm. Do they have anything for Wuhan? Uh, no, but they can get rid of uh, a number of very unsightly bugs, uh, insects. Pastor Jim Baker has uh, got a $200 bottle. Don't get me started on this guy. This influenza that is now circling the globe, you're saying that silver solution would be effective. Well, let's say it hasn't been tested on this strain of the coronavirus, but it's been tested on other strains of the coronavirus and has been uh, able to eliminate it within 12 hours. This is the same guy who, after he was disgraced running his church into the ground, uh, decided to focus on the prepper community and was selling, I believe it was, cream of mushroom soup by the pail. Oh, God. For, you know, after the apocalypse, you're going to have the the well-stocked pantry there, you know, six feet underground. Right. Um, And and now he's doing this. Someone had said uh, that uh, there was a big push to try to get it renamed from coronavirus by the people at Constellation Brands because they were worried that people were thinking that it was related to the beer. Well, we had some people over last night and there was a bunch of beer in the fridge. It was all corona. Nobody drank it. <laughs> uh, disgraced televangelist Jim Baker now hawking a product that claims to kill or deactivate coronavirus, SARS, and HIV. Oh, well, there. Hey, didn't know about that. One hundred and twenty-five dollars for a few small bottles. Sorry, how much for a few small bottles? Eighty to one hundred twenty-five dollars. U.S. Well, this story does not have any details on the ingredients. <laughs> Snake oil. By the way, I was going to go to Singapore uh, later this month. Um, but I've decided that I'm, I'm not going to go simply because I'm worried that, not that I'll get sick, but that some there will be some sort of overreaction and I'll end up being accidentally quarantined on the way there or the way home. Yeah, or trampled on a mass exodus. Well, something like that. I mean, the, the, the issue is that um, I, I to get to Singapore, because it's halfway around the world, like literally halfway around the world, you can go in either direction. You can go west, which would take you through, in some cases, China or Japan or Taiwan. Or you would go east, which would take you through Europe. And uh, the cheapest flights are through Asia, through China and Japan. But there's just so much weirdness going on there with people being quarantined and 
And you know, like right now with with, with a little cough and little stuffed up I uh, stuffed up nose I have right now. Oh yeah, you're scaring people, I'm sure. Oh, completely. First of all, I would be, you know, well, I would have I would have a row to myself. <laughs> But I would be immediately quarantined upon arrival. I would be put into, well, it's a 14-day quarantine. Yes. So the last that's the last thing I want. Canadians who were on board that ship in Japan that have been, quarant- have been quarantined for like 14 days, yeah. they're coming back to Canada and being quarantined an additional 14 days. Right. So I have no fear of getting sick. sick. I have plenty of fear about being quarantined. Right. And I can't, it's two weeks. What am I going to do for two weeks? Meantime, our ace producer, Vanessa Azoli, is uh, tripping the light fantastic across Vietnam right now. And she's like, you know what? Wuhan, Fuhan, I paid for this trip. We're going. Well, again, once you're there, you're fine. Nothing, you know, you're not going to get sick. You could run into some issues getting home. Mm-hmm. Wonder if we're running into issues with our guests. Oh, most likely. One moment, please. Still nothing. I say we just keep going and see what happens. Star Trek Picard. Oh, it's Kantar. Near miss. Hold on. Engaging auto evasion protocol. Did you catch the F-bomb in the last episode? It seems a little odd that a working ship should have a hospitality hologram. I came with the basic installation, sir, but you're right. Hospitality emergencies are rare on this vessel. In general, the captain keeps his own company. Come! You want to go to Vashti? Are you out of your goddamn mind? I hate that fucking hospitality hologram. There have been a couple of F-bombs, by the way. I've been counting them. I think that's three <laughs> in four episodes. I was so excited. Uh, as we discussed recently, I believe that this was going down the Star Wars path, and I actually thought that was a good thing. I wanted a grittier view of the galaxy as known by Starfleet, yeah. and that Picard um, would find himself a ragtag crew and a hunk of junk ship, and that would be awesome. And of course, what do we find out? The captain of the new ship on which he travels is a former Starfleet officer who keeps the ship super clean because that's the way an officer would. Well, that's the way it's that's the Starfleet way. Ah, uh, come on, let's get a little gritty here. No, you want a you want a dirty, filthy uh, Millennium Falcon with Wookiee shit all over the place. That's exactly what I'm asking for. No, why not? Because that's that would be what the real world would be like. Hang on, we're talking about the real world when we're comparing Star Trek and Star <laughs> Wars. Where's the flaw in that argument? Yeah, you know what? I am a little wound up in it right now. My VR flight seat is like ninety eight percent complete. I installed a new transducer, which is also known as a butt kicker. Mm. It gives a nice vibration when the ship's engines roar and all that kind of stuff. Is that stuff. like when housewives used to sit on washing machines back in the 1950s? Uh, yeah, it's exactly why I'm doing it. Okay. Exactly Let's why I'm doing it. it. Yeah, very good. And so with that, um, now I'm actually not hunched over the controls. I'm seated properly in this seat that looks like I pulled it out of a 2001 a Space Odyssey. Mm. Well, that's not bad. Yeah, it's, it, and, and the, the controllers are, are mounted to it. All the stuff is up and ready to go. I just need 3D printing expertise. I don't have any expertise in that world. I bought a 7-inch touchscreen LCD because I didn't want to turn to my wife and say, 
Can I take over the TV screen for a moment <laughs> while I set up the software? So now I'm going to have what I'm thinking is a portrait mode a screen, mm. uh, much like a tablet, that would mount to the desk, ch- to to the chair, and I just go tapity tap tap tap, and away we go, and it looks like you know something again out of Star Trek or out of a Tesla. Yes, Tesla's got the big ass screens right there in the center. Mm-hmm. Um, and my favorite addition to the Tesla recently was uh, dog mode. Do you know about this? No. What's dog mode? Uh, a longtime Tesla owner had tweeted to Elon Musk saying that. It's driving him crazy that people are, you know, hanging around looking at his car, but it's even worse when he leaves the dog in the car and people are worried that it doesn't have enough air or, you know, the windows aren't cracked, that kind of thing. So you can put the car in dog mode where the center screen has a message that says the dog is okay, the window's cracked, the air conditioning's on, he's going to be all right, please don't break into my car to save my dog. Okay, I'm highly in favor of that. Way to go, Elon. That's one of the neat things about Tesla that you don't get out of General Motors is you could actually tweet the CEO and there's a chance he's going to reply. Mm-hmm. I got the same experience when I tweeted Mark Hamill. What? what? <laughs> just just looking to see if you're paying attention. No, I am paying attention. Why, why? Uh, Crack.com reported that Mark Hamill's way of getting around the paparazzi mm. is to get around town in a wheelchair. Oh, Interesting. And so I screen grabbed it, I tweeted it, I tagged him, I asked him if it was true, and he said, mostly false. He said he only did it a couple of times. Okay, so you have a direct line to Luke Skywalker, very nice. This is like the seventh back and forth Luke and I have had so far. We chat online for like two hours every day, so I guess you could say things are getting pretty serious. Ask him about Corvette Summer. Yeah, the first film he did after Star Wars... It's the car of a lifetime. It took him all year to build it. Now I'm going to drive that thing right up to General Motors' front door. One night to lose it. Hey, that's my car! You stole my car! And the whole summer to get it back. MGM presents Corvette Summer. Somebody stole my stingray and the word's out it's in Vegas. You've got a Corvette? Starring Mark Hamill, who's back from Star Wars. Oh, yeah! Wasn't that like a total flop? It was a complete flop because <laughs> it was it was a teen exploitation type film. No. Yeah, it was all about a boy trying to, to lose his virginity while driving, not only driving a Corvette, but driving a right-hand side drive Corvette. Really? Yes. See, now I would. I didn't even see the film. Oh, I saw the film. Of course, I saw the film. Big Luke Skywalker Who, fan. Wait, GM once manufactured a right-hand drive Corvette. Uh, there was a reference to it in in the film. You're not going to make me watch the whole goddamn film just for that reference, now, are you? No. Wait a second. It says here that the C8, which is the new one, is the first Corvette available with right-hand drive. The prop car had a right-hand drive, dude. Okay, so there's the world's only right-hand drive. 1963 Corvette is still a mystery. Are, are we back to talking about the difference between reality and fantasy? Oh, GM sure it's Aussie Armit Holden, which is the GM um, subsidiary in, Los, uh, in Australia, uh, gave it an option to be right-hand drive. Okay, so maybe it was brought in from, from Australia. 
The plot has Kenny Dantley, a.k.a. Mark Hamill, a car-crazed Los Angeles high school senior, building a Corvette as a class project. The finished car gets stolen, and Kenny hitchhikes to Las Vegas to recover it. Wait, wait, he he builds a right-hand drive car as a project at a California high school? Who should pick him up but Vanessa Annie Potts, an aspiring prostitute. Kenny tracks down his purloined Corvette, outmaneuvers pursuing bad guys, whisks the girl away from her sordid situation, and returns home to Los Angeles where goodness prevails over evil. Annie Potts was a, an aspiring prostitute? Well, the character was, anyway. Oh, yeah. yeah. You watch Young Sheldon, by the way? I can't stand the Sheldon character from The Big Bang Theory, therefore I refuse to watch the Young Sheldon. A little too close to home? <laughs> Maybe just a little. <laughs> <laughs> Just a wee bit. Anyway, Annie Potts plays his, uh, his, his grandmother on, on Young Sheldon. Oh, really? Because... Yeah, she does um, a very good job. Yeah, the, the whole Young Sheldon thing, there was a huge subplot within the original Big Bang Theory about how Mom was just some crazy right-wing fundamental Christian character. Yes. And again, back to, uh, you know, a little close to home, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I can't watch that crap. Yeah, okay. But uh, I, clearly you do. Uh, I do. All right. Time to check the lobby to see if the guest is here. Nope. Oh, wait a second. Hang on. Uh, let's just go back to to Picard. Because I think <laughs> as, we, as we, we started down. Wait, no, no. We started down that road, and we never really finished it. So, um, what are your th- thoughts about the TV series so far? I'm actually really pleased by it, even though it's really quite slow. My 13-year-old daughter is uh, in on it, so that's nice. Uh, We're sharing that as a little daddy-daughter bonding thing. And this is probably the first experience the 13-year-old has had with a TV show that isn't all about pew-pew-pew. However, this past week, Seven of Nine makes her first appearance. Yeah, she shows up right at the in the last twenty seconds of the show. Right, and it's one of those things where okay, the the preview to next week's episode implies there's going to be a lot of pew pew pew, which is awesome. However, we're already what halfway through the season? It's like mm, eight episodes or something like that. I don't know. Let's look it up. How many episodes Star Trek Picard? I asked this of Alexa, and she couldn't figure it out. There are 10 episodes. 10, that makes sense. 40% of the show's already done before we get to the shoot 'em up stuff. <laughs> Which is fine. I, You know, my wife and I were watching this. God bless her. Uh, I'm married to somebody who loves this sort of stuff. We both really enjoy the vibe of the program. It moves with a, a leisurely, sophisticated pace. Yes. And there's a lot of character development and a lot of backstory that needs to be told. And so far, we we're quite enjoying it. Oh, I'm glad to hear that, particularly as a couple, you're saying. As a couple, yeah. I mean, you know, it used to. we've come a long way since uh, Thursday nights when we would have to sit down and watch Grey's Anatomy together as our special time. Uh, thank God that that has passed. Don't you just hate it when you and your spouse have a thing the two of you are doing together in TV land like that, and then you get to the end of the series or the end of the season, and you look at each other like, well, now what are we going to do with each other? Yeah, well, that's that's the problem with binging on, on, on things that we agree on on Netflix. Right. So we, we just finished a, a series from the UK called uh, Sex Education, which is really good. And now that it's over, it's like, okay, we have to go through the whole hassle of finding another series to binge watch together. And that's proven to be a problem. We are watching, well, I, I say we, uh, wifey sits on the couch and watches it. I sit on the VR flight seat 
and through the little crack in the nose uh, foam, <laughs> I, I look up. So it looks like I'm looking like up at the ceiling, but in fact, I'm looking straight at the television and just right. catching glimpses here and there of a show called Blacklist. Must be good to be home again, sir. Well, we'll see about that. Good afternoon. I'm here to see Assistant Director Harold Cooper. Tell him it's Raymond Reddington. have many questions so let's begin with the most important one why i'm here one man his name is ronco zamani you want him i want him so let's say our interests are aligned from this point forward there's one very important rule i speak only with elizabeth keen who the hell's elizabeth keen nope don't know it with david spader james spader <laughs> the other guy's a comedian. Oh, is that who that one is? Yeah, he was the guy that hung out with Chris Farley. So James, yes, James Spader uh, plays the central character on the blacklist. He's a wanted fugitive who mysteriously surrenders himself to the FBI to offer them help in capturing deadly criminals. But the condition is, is that he's only willing to work with the new recruit at the Bureau, Elizabeth Keene. And the belief throughout the course of the, the season, they keep dropping it here and there, hints here and there, that um, the new recruit FBI agent is, in fact, his long-lost daughter. Oh, good. Okay. Um, so here he is, this Illuminati-type character who's right. helping the FBI go down his blacklist of bad guys. But where you sort of right. get to realize that the, the bad guys he's helping them put away are people that he wants out of the way. I see. Okay. Uh, and James Spader's perfect in this. I, I I used to work with a guy who was a lot like this character. And Isn't that creepy? Yeah. It, and he's got it down to a T. And it, and it was amazing because that experience working with this person who had no sort of outward facial expressions, they, they would see through you. They would, you know, their eyes were piercing. They would make bold statements and then just shut up and wait for you to react and look at you never breaking eye contact right 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 dead eyes too yeah i learned how to not be intimidated by that and it worked out very well for me in my interviewing career as a result okay because you know you get these guys who would who would shut up and you, you would ask a question they give you a two or three word answer and they would just stare at you but if you just stare right back that silence mm -hmm. is deafening Oh, it is. And as humanity, we, we don't like silence. We don't like that awkward pause. And we have a tendency to fill any awkward pause. That's why we often use ums and ahs. And as a result, I, you, I would leverage that. If I asked a question and I didn't get the answer I was looking for, I would just stay silent and wait for that person to keep on talking. And invariably, they would. I... I... Oh, you're doing it to me now. I get it. Okay. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, but I, I, I'm one of those people, I'm a radio person, right? So silence equals dead air means something is wrong. So I, I will always jump in to fill that reflexively. Is there even a dead air alarm that is audible in a modern day broadcast studio? Because back when I got into the business, mm. my first on-air job, I would come into the radio station at, I think it was 4 a.m. in Owen Sound, Ontario at CFOS, and invariably 
half the time I'd arrive, as I got closer to the newsroom and the, the, the rack room where all the gear was, I'd hear just sort of like crescendo. That's a really good 440 hertz. Nice job. Thank you. And invariably, yep, we, the transmitter was knocked off in the middle of the night. You have to go and you have to reset all sorts of stuff. And if you didn't do it right, you could burn it out. Yeah, because of the big, big tubes. How, how would you like to be the guy making $9.75 an hour responsible for burning out a half million dollar transmitter? Yeah, and these, these tubes are, back in those days, I mean, they'd be almost waist high. They were huge. How are we doing on the treading water as our guest is now 18 minutes late? Uh, well, I, I you know what? I do have some things uh, in, in, in the lineup here that we can get into the uh, the B block that we seem to be in right now. Well, do we want to hold off on talking about the, the A content and for if or when we ever get the guest? Well, well, this is I, I have B content. That's okay. what I'm saying. All right. This is the world's best secondary quality show. <laughs> no, I think this is this is really good stuff. It's just that we may have. It's not the stuff we planned. Well, it's not the stuff we planned. And had the guests showed up, we may not have 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 had a chance to talk about it. Pearl Jam uh, and and their new single. Oh, Pearl Jam has a new single. Yes, they do. Uh, they have a single called Wolf Blood Mo- Wolf Moon. Not Super Blood Wolf Moon? No, Super Blood Wolf Moon. See, there, I got it wrong. It's the... the uh, I'm, I'm, it must be the Wu-Tang. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the uh, the Wuhan clan uh, virus. <laughs> um, so they have the single coming out later in... Well, it's coming out, uh, yeah, later this month. But if you want a, uh, a preview of it, what you do is you go to moon.pearljam.com, download this app from the QR code... Then go outside, fire up the app, point your uh, phone at the moon and watch what happens. Oh, it's augmented reality. It is, yes. I, I haven't tried it because it's been cloudy ever since this this came out. Oh, it requires an actual moon? It requires an actual moon. Huh. Preferably the one that's circling Earth right now. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's no moon. The thing is, is that I don't know if I could actually go ahead with this because this comes from the same sons of bitches who kicked us off Spotify. Uh, what? Universal Music Group and Republic Records created a synchronized dual phone music video. Oh. Um, yeah. So UMG was the, were the guys who said, you guys played like five seconds of a song that we recorded 800 years ago. That's it. You're off the Spotify. Did you hear about the guy that got kicked off because he was defending Warner Music over the copyright infringement case in which Katy Perry lost uh, regarding her song Dark Horse to this uh, Christian rapper called Flame? Anyway, he was explaining why this whole lawsuit, this infringement was bogus, yet somebody, as a result of him showing why it's bogus, in other words, he was playing clips of the song, he was pulled off. And he was defending Warner. Well, this is the conversation that we had when we got pulled off Spotify, is that no one's making that decision. That's an algorithm that did that. Well, apparently in this particular case, somebody, it was a manual decision. Oh, really? Somebody, yeah, if you watch the video, and if I, we can put it in the show notes if you like, uh, <laughs> somebody actually manually found it and deleted it or, or, or issued the takedown notice. Pearl Jam, meantime, is also using AR to tease Gigaton, the 11th studio album, in the form of a scavenger hunt? Yeah. There is a place in Toronto, as a matter of fact, marked by this, and it looks like it's a doggy daycare center. So you hear sound snippets and see possible album art and an animation of the polar ice caps melting, yeah. and you're supposed to use that as part of the scavenger hunt, according to Stereo Gum. 
Yeah, I have no clue as to how that. I, I wrote about that a little while ago. I completely forgotten about it. There you go. One of the uh, one of the big issues with augmented reality is something called occlusion. Do you know of what I speak? No, I don't. So Pikachu in the whole Pokemon experience, when Pokemon Go came out for smartphones and people were wandering through parks, you know, trying to catch Pikachus that only they could see because it was on their screen using their camera in the real world. The problem is, is that the Pikachu couldn't say hide behind a tree or if you right. saw one there and you went to step on it, um, you would step through it. And so that's um, a problem where occlusion happens, where something gets in front of this virtual object and the AR isn't smart enough to know that it needs to obscure part of whatever that thing is it's generating. Pokemon Go has been updated so that that sort of thing is not an issue anymore. And we're quickly getting to the point where augmented reality is going to move from our smartphones to our glasses and from our glasses to our eyeballs. Right. Samsung in 2014 patented the world's first augmented reality contact lens. I heard about those. Now, if you uh, think about the issues associated with putting something up against your eyeball like that, uh, it's got to go through clinical trials. So clinical trials are typically three parts, um, one, two, and three. And the third is the one, the, the first one is where they just figure out whether or not the idea has some merit to it. The second one is now let's dig into that once we've concluded that this drug or this machine we're plugging into your eyeball, in fact, does work. Uh, let's see how well it works. And then the third stage is once they've fine-tuned the results of the, the, what went into the second trial, to make it possible for you and me to go to a store and buy these things. That okay. process takes about eight to ten years. All right. So we got a while to wait. Well, 2014 was when Samsung patented it and started working on the clinical trials. So we are about three years away or so. Well, there was something shown at CES that we missed. It was kind of like a contact lens on a stick. Uh, they wouldn't let you put it in your eye. But it was really uh, unobtrusive when it came to, you know, calling down menus with eye movements. Yeah, it was a startup called Mojo Vision, the world's first true smart contact lens. Oh, you saw it. Yeah, this Mojo is this is a little bit different. Uh, Mojo Vision's uh, smart contact lens is in early prototype stages, but the Samsung one has been going for like five years now already. Oh, so I suspect Samsung's got a little more money behind it than a, a startup that wants to do this sort of thing as well. So I would be more inclined to think that this is the kind of thing that is going to come to Samsung smartphone customers first. And then, you know, three years later, Apple will do it too and claim that they were the first. Right. Going back to Pearl Jam here, uh, I guess the scavenger hunt was just teasing the gigaton artwork because I'm looking under results of Pearl Jam scavenger hunt and there has been no results other than the reveal of the album artwork. Hmm. Huh. Right. Everybody knows. I, I again, I, I for, completely forgotten about this. So if anybody knows, if, if there's something, if there's more to it than, than what I just mentioned, please let me know because I'm closing that window because I don't care. Uh, it's a great one, la <laughs> one last thing I want to talk about, and that's the... Uh, is this the still on the B material list, or have we gone down to the C list so far? No, no, this is. I think this is a really good one. Awesome, go. It has to do with a fire in Banning, California, on back on February the 6th. There's a company there called Apollo Transco, and what they do is create something called Lacquer Masters, which is um, a blank... A uh, piece of metal covered with a special secret lacquer that 
record companies and record pressing plants use to inscribe the grooves of a record to be pressed to vinyl. So using a special cutter machine, they cut the vinyl, they cut a prototype or uh, an archetype vinyl record, uh, and they need one of these lacquer masters per side because obviously it's two sides to a record. And then they pour metal on top of that. That becomes a mirror image of the lacquer master. And that mirror image is then used to stamp out vinyl. And, and that's how we get our records. And this is the way things have been going for a very long time. Now, back in February the 6th, there was a, a big fire at this, this factory. And they, it basically destroyed everything. All the equipment, all the chemicals, everything that went along with this. And uh, Apollo was one of two companies in the entire world that uh, created these lacquer masters. The other one's Japanese, isn't it? Yeah, it's in, in it's called MDC. It's in, in Tokyo. And uh, without the lacquer masters, you can't make the metal masters. And if you don't have the metal masters, you can't stamp out vinyl. So there's this big concern that everything is going to be brought to a complete halt because one of the very first pieces of, of equipment that you need to make a new vinyl record they're not making anymore because the factory burned down. And all of this at a time when vinyl sales are climbing. In 2019, we reported that uh, sales in the States were up by about 15% or so over the year before. So because the Japanese can't pick up the slack because they're just as small as Apollo, we're now... Oh, they were much smaller. Apollo was, was providing about 80% of the global supply. So as a result, where are the hipsters going to get their vinyl now? This, this is a real problem. So there's something called direct metal mastering, which is the same sort of thing, except you create this archetype stamper uh, by cutting into a copper disc. It's more expensive. It's much more tricky. And uh, there aren't that many places doing it. There's a couple in Europe. There are no direct metal mastering places in anywhere in North America, as far as I know. But if, if somebody has the time and the money and the, the inclination, this might be a, a place in the market that you could fill. So we learned about this over the course of Valentine's Day. We also, of course, reported on that fabulous app, Desire for Two. Oh, yeah, right. Last week on the big show. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like you and your wife didn't engage in this little dare app. I, I'm too afraid to put one of these apps on my phone because it'll show up on hers and then she'll... You know, when she, the moment she sees it, she'll start stewing about it, and then it could be eight or ten hours before she has a chance to ask me about it. <laughs> Time delay fight? Time delay fight, yeah, because you just know that the conversation's going to swirl inside her head for that eight to ten hours, and by the time she gets home, uh, I've lost the argument already. And, of course, the argument is, if you really loved me and the spark wasn't gone, we wouldn't need this. Yes, and don't give me this business that you need it for work. <laughs> I have run across what I believe to be the greatest newspaper headline of the 21st century. Oh, hit me. As, as a journalist, you will be interested in this. Now, we, we all know that the New York Post has a reputation of having the greatest headline writers in the world. They are the people that came up with the headline, Headless Body and Topless Bar. Right. Right? Well, the St. Catherine Standard on February the 6th carried a story about a long-haul trucker who paid a tab at a Niagara Falls gentleman's establishment with counterfeit cash. Oh, God. Okay, and the waitress was very upset with this uh, uh, with this gratuity. Let, let, can I guess? Because um, these types of headlines either are brilliant or they're incredibly rote. 
and it, they're just way too easy in their puns. Let me let me ask: Is there some sort of reference to fake breasts? No. Oh, impressive. Good. Okay, keep going, Catherine Standard. Okay, so here it is. This is the headline. Hmm? It is trucker gets off after Niagara Falls strip club waitress stiffed with tip. And this is the B material. This is the good stuff. <laughs> Not as good uh, as the A material, but... Catch all new episodes of Geeks and Beats Wednesdays on iTunes. And watch for Geeks and Beats magazine on a newsstand near you. To be part of next week's show, call area code 323-319-NERD. Follow the stories on Twitter or Facebook. And get your dose of Geeks and Beats anytime at geeksandbeats.com. The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation.